0: worry and concern and frustration in the african-american community reaches a point where it seems to be heading then joe hogsett could potentially be in trouble
1: stay tuned that's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content more conversation coming up after this week's edition of in focus exploring the issues that matter most in indiana this is in Focus with Dan Spieler. It's a short summer break in Washington. The Senate back in session this coming week with Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly getting ready for a highly anticipated meeting with the president's pick for the Supreme Court. Donnelly's vote is being closely watched. The Democrat considered one of the most vulnerable senators up for re-election this year. He'll meet Wednesday with the president's Supreme Court nominee, Judge Brett Kavanaugh, with Donnelly's opponent, Mike Braun, urging him to confirm the president's pick.
2: What i said is... Um, you know, in terms of the different corners of this effort, one is to meet with him on the 15th and to do all of the work necessary. He had over 300 court decisions, and so we're going through all of those. Additionally, he gave a number of speeches, uh, law review articles, similar things. Um, then, of course, like I said, I want to do the interview with him on the 15th. And then finally, um, we have the confirmation hearings. And so, I want to give him a chance to give his answers and I want to give my colleagues a chance to ask questions and then put that together right after that. Look, I have, I have um, no preconceived notions. Um, I have no litmus tests and I have an open mind on this.
1: Senator Schumer and other Democratic leaders have expressed concerns
3: about all the documents that aren't being released uh, in regards to Judge Kavanaugh. Does that weigh on your mind? You know,
2: I'm going to continue to do my job and review all the documents that are there and from the materials that I see uh, make a determination whether that should be enough. You know, all I can do is work hard, work nonstop, and I've often thought and still do that the best campaign is to do your job the best you can.
1: I also caught up recently with Donnelly's opponent, Mike Braun
4: what you're gonna get out of Joe Donnelly is he's gonna vote, first of all, the way Chuck Schumer would like him to. And I think just like he did for Gorsuch, there'll be three or four Democrats that come over when you don't need their vote. What would be interesting to see is if he were the deciding vote. Just like on a lot of other things, when it really counts, Joe, I don't think, has voted for the way Hoosiers would want him to and has been able to disguise it and get by with it.
1: A lot of talk with the Supreme Court uh, choice about how this might affect uh, the makeup of the court, the dynamic of the court, and obviously uh, the issue of abortion has come up along right. those lines. Do you want to see Roe versus
4: Wade be overturned by the Supreme Court? I believe 100% in the sanctity of life. So uh, whenever there is a vote, you know. I'm going to vote in the direction of moving the dynamic that direction. President Trump did not make that a litmus test. And I think what we're going to get out of uh, nominee Kavanaugh is that he is going to be an originalist. He's not going to legislate from the bench. You mentioned that earlier. And I think he'll take his total conservative values there. And uh, whether Roe v. Wade is going to be you know uh, heard by the court who knows i i think that when we get him there do you that, want to see it heard by the court well uh, that's not a litmus test for me either but i'd like to see the court uh, start moving in favor of appreciating and nurturing the sanctity of life meantime
1: this past week a group of pro-life demonstrators called on senator donnelly to confirm kavanaugh part of an eight-state tour from a group called justice for life they visited Senator Donnelly's office, making the case for Kavanaugh and calling for the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v.
5: Wade.
6: The hope is that the states will once again get to rule on this important
5: decision, not activist judges. We
7: really just want to start with the, me- the message to begin with and try to, you know, spread that as much as possible. In the end, we do hope to abolish abortion in our lifetime, so um, that is the goal.
1: All right, so obviously this abortion question will be front and center in the confirmation fight, just as Donnelly's vote will be front and center in the race for Senate. This week, Brian Howey of Howey Politics Indiana was out on the campaign trail with Donnelly and Braun, and I got his take on the race and the impact this Supreme Court fight could have.
8: Well, Joe Donnelly is under a lot of pressure to, uh, to take a stance. He's undecided right now. He's going to meet with Kavanaugh on uh, August 15th. I can guarantee you that within 20 minutes of that meeting's conclusion, he's going to get bombarded with, with uh, the Republicans saying, are you going to vote for him or against him? And uh, we have the National Archives who say they're not going to be able to you know pull up all the documents on kavanaugh 's decisions until October, so you know Donnelly may wait until october and until he makes a decision. The debates I think are going to be real real important. We've got two b- debates coming up in the fall, and I think uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of voters may make their decision there and then president trump i mean he's he's already said you know he wants this to be a referendum on him, and a lot of voters may decide to put Donnelly in simply as a, a check uh, on President Trump. They, if they choose Braun, it's because he'll, he'll be more willing to fulfill the, the Trump agenda. But uh, Donald Trump kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room and, and he's gonna be very much a part of, of this campaign.
1: What struck you about these uh, campaigns and where we
8: are in this uh, midterm election. Well, they're, they're really uh, preparing for what I think is going to be a pure toss-up race. I mean, uh, we've seen a couple polls that have had them within a couple of points of each other. Both these guys have, have pretty good retail skills. Uh, uh, they move very easily on, on the campaign trail. They've got their talking points. Donnelly is maybe a little more seasoned than Braun is, but, uh, you know, Braun won a contested primary against two sitting members of Congress. He's, he's getting better and better all the time on the campaign trail.
1: Braun campaign, though, is dealing with the fallout from this article Friday from the Associated Press. The AP reporting that despite railing on the issue of outsourcing, Braun's own parts brand, Promax Automotive sells products that were manufactured abroad. i are going to talk more about that with our panel coming up. Also ahead, Indiana's attorney general still facing misconduct allegations. Now he's also in a war of words with another state official. We'll explain. And we'll talk with one local group determined to fight for hate crime legislation here in Indiana. Stick around. We'll be right back. welcome back joined now by our panel indy star columnist tim swearen's two former state lawmakers democrat christina hale republican mike murphy yeah. and jennifer wagner the former communications director for the indiana democrats let's start with curtis hill here guys uh, the embattled attorney general still under investigation for groping allegations now picking a fight with indiana's secretary of state connie lawson over the issue of early voting a federal judge blocking hill's attempts to block new satellite voting locations here in Marion County. Hill's office says they are only looking to block federal involvement in Indiana law. Now, Secretary Lawson issued a statement about all this this past week. She says, quote, as Indiana's chief election officer, I oppose Hill's intervention in the Marion County satellite voting case. I did not ask him to do this, and he did not have the professional courtesy, she says, to provide me notice of his motion, even though I'm a named party in the suit. I support Marion County's decision to adopt satellite voting, and I urge the attorney general to drop this. The AG's office responded on Thursday. Our role in the case is not to block early satellite voting offices.
3: Our voters finally have options. Six satellite voting locations to vote at before Election Day.
1: All right, so quite a situation here this week with the AG and the Secretary of State, two Republican statewide uh, officials, sparring on this early voting issue. What do you guys make of this?
6: Well, I kind of make a one of two things: either Curtis Hill was absent the day they taught law in law school, or he just can't stand that he hasn't been in the headlines recently. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go pick a fight with the uh, Secretary of State and see what happens. This was super dumb on his part, and I mean, she was absolutely right to smack him down.
1: And, and obviously, a lot of backstory here. She is one of the Republican statewide officials calling for his resignation because of the groping allegations. That's
9: that's true. But he's you know he's taking a page out of the Mike Delph, uh School of Media Relations. I mean. You know, grab a headline when you can. It's classic uh, diversion. He's trying to keep you people, us, we're talking about County Lawson now instead of the investigation, right? So he's trying to divert attention away from the police investigation against him. And it's working to a degree, even though he is losing again. But this issue of satellite
1: voting also won uh, on its merits that's been talked about a lot in, in recent years as well.
7: It's very important. Here we are in our capital city, in the, you know, our home county, and people have to go downtown to vote. It's just so inconvenient, and clearly it's not in the public's best interest. It's not in the voters' interest. And it's interesting to hear people talking about Connie and Curtis, and as the kids say, you know, the cray-cray show. Um, <laughs> I was pleased to see her, you know, stand up to him in a dignified but very firm way because it's just the right thing to do.
0: Tim, what do you think? So, again, Curtis Hill on a sideshow, I you know, why is he getting involved in this? Uh, it's <laughs> there should be bipartisan support for increasing voting options in Marion County. It's a heavily Democratic county. But and still- in fact, there is. That's how they got back to yes. adding satellite yes. voting. And, and then Curtis Hill inserts himself mm-hmm. in this conversation unnecessarily. And as uh, we
1: were mentioning earlier, also had represented the Secretary of State legally as, as the Attorney General uh, on these issues in the past. Uh, all right, let's talk about this uh, 2018 Senate race now. Uh, Senator Joe Donnelly meeting next week with Brett Kavanaugh. But this past week, a couple of interesting headlines. He said he might support more funding for the president's border wall, something Mike Braun has been calling for. While Braun was talking about making sure pre-existing conditions are covered, something Senator Donnelly has been calling for it. There's also this AP report Friday on Broad's parts company selling some foreign auto parts. All the back and forth about outsourcing in this campaign. Recently, I spoke with Braun about that issue of outsourcing. Some of the ads uh, that the Donnelly campaign has put out highlighting uh, Chinese suppliers. You, you have done business with. You acknowledge
4: that that has been part of no, no Chinese suppliers. We have manufacturers that we deal with that buy. We do not you know, make anything. We're a distributor and we have 95 percent of the companies that we do business with are American companies. There are some auto and truck accessories that you can't get anywhere else.
1: What do you guys make of this issue? Will it will it hurt the Braun campaign at all or perhaps weaken some of their attacks on Uh, Donnelly's uh, brother's business outsourcing jobs to Mexico.
6: I think for anyone who's paying attention to this, it's probably a wash. Um, The bigger thing here is that you're seeing Joe Donnelly everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, a lot of
1: TV ads coming from from both. Lots of TV too. ads.
6: Absolutely. But you're seeing him out there on the trail. And honestly, I haven't heard much about Mike Braun other than what we talk about on this show and what's on TV. But he doesn't seem to be doing much as a candidate these days. And Joe is, is doing everything.
1: Is this going to hurt the Braun campaign?
9: Well, I think it's a wash. I don't think Hoosiers really care about the issue that much. It's something they can pick on each other on. The, 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 the important thing for Braun is to tell the truth. And I assume he is. But he's either it's either he's either bringing stuff in from China or he's not that's pretty simple and he should stay on the right side of the truth and not play games. What about this
1: Kavanaugh meeting and, and Donnelly's dilemma here with the Supreme Court choice coming up this fall?
7: It's a big choice, but like everything, he's gonna take his time, do his homework, and make a very considered decision. There is certainly a lot at stake, and I know that he takes it very seriously, and um, he won't make a political decision. He'll make a decision that is consistent with his conscience and all of his research.
1: A lot of headlines in the Senate race this week. I don't know how much it's resonating with voters yet still in the middle of the summer. I think it's been very quiet and- And I think voters have not tuned in very much
0: yet. We'll see if that changes in the next few weeks as we get past Labor Day. Um, I I think the Kavanaugh vote is extremely important for both candidates. If if Donnelly votes to confirm, it sort of takes that off the table in in November. But if he votes against Kavanaugh, that gives
1: Braun a huge opening and Republicans will exploit that. All right, we'll see what happens there. Let's talk more about the uh, the overall political climate these days. The special election this past week in Ohio, a typically red congressional district, but this year a very close race in this special election. The Republican barely ahead. Some of those results perhaps still in question. Uh, What does this tell you about the overall climate and and the democrats chances perhaps in, even in some congressional races in indiana or no
6: well i'm not sure about indiana but obviously the closer we get to november the closer we get to election day the more and more this is looking like a really strong democratic year last week there was a morning consult poll that showed a democratic congressional ballot 43 percent in just a generic ballot that is unlike in years past i think you can attribute it to the guy in the white house whether or not that's going to have a substantive effect on probably maybe the second or the ninth district here that's anyone's guess.
1: Should Hoosier Republicans in the second or the ninth be worried about Ohio?
9: No, no. I think I think we're going to, the Republicans are going to keep the House. But I will say that a lot of Republicans will be voting with a lot of angst. Um, one of the former White House deputy press secretaries put out a column today suggesting that Republicans actually vote Democrat, turn the House Democrat so they can stop some of Trump's more radical things, hmm. but not, not, uh, not turn over the Senate because the Senate's the, the body that confirms the judges and all that kind of thing. It's an interesting idea. I don't think it'll, it'll fly, though.
1: Blue wave or no blue wave?
7: I think what we really need to be thinking about is, are we going to have a tremendous year for voter turnout in Indiana? Historically, we've just had a very depressed turnout, even in years when we thought it might be a little bit more lively, but people are fired up. And since 2016, I have traveled the state, I've talked to a lot of different constituency groups, and there's so many people that say, you know, we actually didn't turn out to vote in 16. We didn't realize what was at stake and we thought there were a lot of foregone conclusions, but now we see some hope and we've got some energy. So it'll. Be be a different a different group out there at the polls.
1: Well Donald Trump brought new voters in 2016 no question perhaps newer voters uh, th- this time around maybe too it's hard to say at this perhaps point. it's still yep. very
0: early I mean it's yeah. it, you know we, we we'll have to see what it looks like in October right to, to gauge how big this
1: blue wave might be.
9: Vice shows Christina says she's traveling the state mm. two years before the gubernatorial election. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
1: We'll have to talk about that on, on another <laughs> program. Vice President Pence was out on the campaign trail in Ohio. No doubt we're gonna see him here in Indiana as well. A lot being said about the uh, VP these days online and in a number of uh, new books as well. Uh, what impact could, could he have on the campaign trail this year?
6: Um, not much, I'm guessing, honestly. I think Donald Trump's had a lot of effect. I don't think that Mike Pence is gonna have a lot of effect. I don't think Bernie Sanders has had a lot of effect on, on my side of the aisle. I think this is a Trump or anti-Trump election
1: you've got one of those books right well, there. Yeah,
9: this is a brand new book out by uh, Andrew Neal on Red Lightning Books uh, out of Bloomington. And this is a great primer for people who, who don't know uh, Pence yet. We in Indiana like to think we know him, but nationally people are still getting to know him. If you want to know who Mike Pence is, where he came from, how he got there, great book to read. Some other
1: new books coming. Tom Lobianco has one yep. coming out soon. There's another book uh, out that's uh, promising some more explosive information too. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the vice president's role in all of this gets chronicled here over the next uh, few months and years It's
7: very it's it, it is very interesting he's a very interesting man and i think he's a little bit nebulous too he's hard to read you see him smiling and nodding a lot and you know supporting our president but the backstory story in all of his Uh, backstory, certainly here in Indiana, I think it would be very surprising to many to hear that he was just so recently booed when he went to throw the first pitch out at the Indianapolis Indians or at the um, Indy 500 parade here. All
1: politicians get booed. (laughs) I've (laughs) never been booed at a parade. All right, We've got to leave it there. Up next, we're going to sit down with IMPD Chief Brian Roach talking about crime on the rise here in Indianapolis. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. A new push to demand. Indiana lawmakers pass hate crime legislation. The latest pressure coming from a group in Noblesville that has defied social, political and ethnic backgrounds to get people talking. And as Matt Smith shows us, that is exactly their goal.
10: Is there kind of a goal to get your message out? It's a little fitting they suggested we meet here today at a new co-working space in Noblesville called The Outhouse. Because these conversations are difficult and they don't change overnight. It's really co-working that this group has already accomplished, bringing together an innovative group spanning city government, education, business, and faith. And the newly formed Noblesville Diversity Committee is not shying away from hate.
6: Racism still exists bigotry still exists. Hate still exists.
10: In Sunday's Indie Star, a powerful coalition and letter to the editor pointing not only to an incident in their own community last year, but the recent vandalism at a synagogue in Carmel. The group is demanding lawmakers pass a hate crime law, hoping their collective and diverse voice has influence.
2: One of five states that still don't have that kind of legislation, um, that that speaks volumes in, in a number of different ways on both sides of the aisle. From the business side, it's, it's good for us, but it's also the right thing to do.
6: We as a community have been used to waiting and sitting back and watching and letting other leaders decide how things are or if there's a problem.
10: Not anymore, they say, as the group works to expand its grassroots outreach in Noblesville.
6: I believe
4: that people want to do well. They want to have these conversations. Focusing
10: conversations on tough issues in an effort to unite for the greater good, no matter political or religious background.
6: Yes, some people are going to be mad at you because nobody agrees with everyone. But this is the right thing for our community and for our humanity.
1: All right, Matt, thanks. Also this week, IMPD's police chief says he's only done an average job so far. This is Indianapolis faces yet another record year for homicides. Now the clock is ticking to turn things around. Today, Aisha Husney goes one-on-one with Chief Brian Roach.
5: Nearly every single night, shots are fired in Indianapolis. (laughs) Nearly every single week, someone is killed.
1: Gunfire rings out in a violent 24 hours throughout Indianapolis.
5: In fact, there were only two weeks in February, someone was not shot to death. I wanted to find out what's going on. So I sat down with police chief Brian Roach.
3: We aren't where we wanted to be.
5: 18 months ago, Chief Roach took charge of IMPD. At that time, Indianapolis had just closed out its deadliest year with 149 criminal homicides. Under the leadership of Mayor Joe Hoxett, Roach was tasked with reducing that violence. But 2017 came and went with even more criminal homicides. And 2018's numbers continue to climb. Are you disappointed?
3: I don't think it's just me that's disappointed, the community as a whole. This year we've seen uh, uh, an increase around marijuana. Uh, It's so prevalent now and it's a cash business. If you're selling narcotics, you typically are protecting your narcotics with a gun. If you're robbing people, you typically have a gun. Conflict resolution uh, social media so much of our violence has been uh, conflicts that get escalated through social media.
5: What grade would you give yourself today? Uh, probably average. What is that, a C? C. Why?
3: Probably because the things that you start out trying to do haven't come to fruition yet. The violence is a symptom of uh, of a lot of underlying issues, right, and you could talk about education and poverty and, and uh, uh, food deserts and, and all those. But there's also, um, uh, there, there seems to be kind of a lack of hope in some of our young people. They don't see themselves outside of their circumstances. And so when you think that's all life is, and there's no one that's, that can show you that there's something else, um, then you resign yourself to that.
1: All right, Chief Brian Roach there with our Aisha Husni. You can see more of that interview on our website. We're back to wrap things up right after this. Let's wrap it up with this week's winners and losers. Tim?
0: Winner this week is Connie Lawson for Standing Up for Indiana Voters. Christina?
7: I agree with that. Also, uh, Buzz Lightyear. Looks like he's going to have a new Space (laughs) Force to play with. Um, They at least have a logo to vote on, so that's awesome.
9: Mike? My winner has to be Brian Sadisco for AP for his story on the Mike Braun campaign and the Chinese uh, auto parts.
6: And I Jennifer. guess to balance out, Tim, my loser has to be Curtis Hill for, fa- for picking a fight with Connie Lawson. That was awfully silly.
9: All right, that's
1: going to wrap it up for this week's show. You can hear more from our panel on our podcast. And we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Okay, talking with the panel here after this week's edition of In Focus, some bonus material here on the podcast. And uh, we had the the sit-down interview Aisha Husney did with Chief Brian Roach talking about crime. He said he gave himself a grade of C because, obviously, uh, a lot of the crime-fighting initiatives he says uh, that they've put in place just aren't working yet. Crime is still on the rise in Indianapolis. Um, And we discuss politics on this show every week. Uh, You can't ignore the fact that next year, if he chooses to run again, Mayor Hogshead is... Up for re-election, and no doubt crime was uh, a central focus of his campaign when he ran for mayor. Looking at the politics of all of this, Tim, wh- where are we here, a year away from from the mayor's race? Well, Joe Hogsett
0: did make uh, the reduction of homicides a key part of his campaign. He talked about a lot. He, he pledged it would happen. It hasn't happened yet, and in fact, uh, we're going in the wrong direction. And you know, three years into his term, so. It should be a very important issue in the race. It's a heavily Democratic city, so it's hard to tell how much trouble he would be in.
9: And we don't
1: know who's going to run for mayor yet against uh, Joe Hogsett. Um, State Senator Jim Merritt, who's the county chair, has uh, certainly been mentioned. But we don't know yet what this mayor's race will look like next year in terms of who will be running.
7: We don't, and it's really kind of surprising that nobody's out there working it. Um, a little bit harder than they are. You know, they could be, this is the time. People start showing up at community meetings, having gatherings, you know, these exploratory kinds of activities. And right, it's just so quiet. So there is a lot going on in the news cycle. We're talking a lot about all kinds of national politics, right. and there's certainly voter fatigue, but we need some local action.
1: Well, ironically, Mayor Hawk said at Jimmerit, we're at a ribbon cutting together I saw that. at uh, Peep. To this uh, this <laughs> La is
9: Peep. That's the first time <laughs> you yeah. have yeah, a breakfast place <laughs> open up is a big deal in this town. Um, but I, I, I have to banjo's say- banjos at
7: La Peep, that's, that's funny. Right. <laughs> you,
9: have, you have to go back to uh, you know 2006, uh, and there was nothing going on in the Republican Party as far as the mail race. I was the county chairman. I was begging people to run for mayor against Mayor Peterson. Mm-hmm. I got turned down four or five times a week, right, <laughs> by a lot of really sharp people. But what happened was, people grew tired of Peterson. We didn't. Have, we hadn't even heard of Greg Ballard until February of 2007, when he called me and said, "Can I? Can I bring some flyers to the slating convention?" I said, "Sure. We're not going to slate, but you're welcome to do it." Um, and so, so what happened was it was the African Americans who sat on their hands in 2007 that defeated Bart Peterson. It was, not, it was not my party defeating, even though Greg Ballard turned out to be a great mayor. It was not my party defeating Bart Peterson, it was his own party defeating him. But
6: I, I will say, so I worked at state party at the time, uh, and I was responsible for coming up with anything and everything we could find on Greg Ballard after he became your nominee, and there wasn't anything there. He was basically a generic Republican, uh, by the way, great photo op with him and Joe Donnelly this past week as well. So lots of bipartisan <laughs> activity happening. Uh, I were don't think- Were they out to
1: breakfast uh, They well were at lunch or? at Working at lunch. With His Friend, okay. yeah. 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 Nice. I think
6: uh, actually Mayor Ballard's staff were there. Uh, it was an alumni lunch and then Joe was there for something and they just all got together for we got a great together. photo. There you go. But you know, going back to that, Greg Ballard was a generic Republican, super nice guy. I couldn't find anything on him other than ironically he wanted to build a giant justice center, which you know years later became an issue. Um, I don't know that we're in that same situation where a generic Republican could beat a mayor like Joe Hogsett. And you gotta remember Bart Peterson also raised taxes in an election year. Bear hugged a member of the city county council who was you know, on the front page of the paper every week for potentially doing questionable legal things um, and, and he, he kind of hid under his desk in the midst of all that.
0: It, we also had the property tax revolt in the That's summer right. of That's 2007 of and, and even though that was not necessarily his fault. right. He was. He made an impact. He met yeah. hurting.
6: He didn't come out. I mean, he he literally stayed in his desk and and while people were throwing tea bags in the canal, it was the it was the nascent tea party back then, and so I think it's a little different situation now to say that someone could come out of nowhere and beat Joe Hogsett.
9: Which Democrat did he bear on the council that could have done something illegal? I mean, it could have been what?
6: Uh, <laughs> and it was, and was Tim's newspaper, so you know, I, I do believe it was Monroe Gray.
9: Oh, okay. Yes. yes. I, and, and who was the better? council president? He was
6: the council right. president, and he was under. It was a concrete something or other. I seem to recall it's been a few years. There so were some memories. ethical questions yeah. that were being to, raised. Yeah. To
1: your point, since Ballard, everything in the county pretty much has come up about sixty forty in most of, in most races uh, in Marion County. So it's a it's a tall task for any it, Republican. It, it, it is, but I think Mike
0: brought up a very good point. It's and it's the African American community. If 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 the um, worry and concern and frustration in the African-American community reaches a point where it seems to be heading, then Joe Hogsett could potentially be in trouble.
9: It's really, it's really Hogsett's to lose. I mean, if he gets his act together in the next nine months, pays attention to the African-American community, is able to bring the murder rate down a little bit, does something about our streets and roads he'll sail to
1: victory. Well that's the issue potholes too that seems to be resonating with a lot of voters as well. Yeah potholes
7: are we'll see what kind of a winner we have this year too. I think everybody on the Democrat side is going to be crossing their fingers for a mild winter (laughs) certainly but I thought the Chief Roach's comments were really interesting in that they were anything but tone deaf. They were certainly you can feel the burden he's carrying around on his shoulders. He's taking this very seriously. A lot of self-reproachment um, not a very political comment to say he gives himself a C um, but it certainly I think telegraphs that he's taking it to heart and that um, he wants to improve and all intentions are in uh, doing a better job keeping people safe really the basic function of government which
1: I mean that goes beyond politics in a city yeah. you, you want to keep your people safe uh, keep everyone in the city safe and healthy and uh, be able to g- get down the street to work. Right? Well, and that to, to
6: be to be uh, complimentary, as opposed to your side of the aisle, Mike, because of Eric Holcomb's tax increase, we have, I think, like $30 million to spend on our roads. When I'm guessing that might start uh, I don't know, maybe next spring. Right in yeah, time. Yeah,
9: never know. You
6: never know, right? <laughs> I mean, I love it when Republicans raise taxes.
7: But you know what people don't talk about either? Our sheriffs are really, around the state, including Marion County, the leading providers of mental health services and often addiction services, but they are so underfunded, to your point, Jen. And so you get people that get out of jail. They have maybe three days at the most of their meds that they've received in jail, whether that's methadone or meds to work um to help support them uh, manage their schizophrenia or fill in the blank, then they re they go back in, we cycle through. And so we have a lot of these issues that um, somebody needs to hit a timeout button here and solve them systemically. And we just haven't been able to afford to do that, just like we haven't been able to afford to truly invest in public infrastructure like roads, but just you know then you jump right to water infrastructure there's a lot there to do
1: yeah a lot of things uh on any administration's plate at a mayor's office or at the state level that that affect people in a a very real way um another thing that we didn't have time to mention on the program this week but friday governor holcomb um, put out some of the recommendations in terms of school safety things that the state will be doing uh an issue that has certainly been top of mind here in indiana since noblesville and across the country it has i think the recommendations include
0: active shooting shooter drills uh, which in one sense we really hate to see uh, yeah. that kids have to go through that, but it's the age we live in.
7: You know, when, in my generation it was the drills for uh, nuclear war and mm-hmm. getting under your desk with a book over your head, which seems really silly, but um, some of the problems, too, we haven't even thought through when it comes to violence in schools. We just had that student, or a very recent student, in our schools this past week who had a jacket full of knives. and. Um, one thing will happen that we can't anticipate it'll be the next you know um, right sadly seeing yeah.
1: too too many it's too because many you're always like preparing
9: the... for what happened right. not what could, what happen. could happen exactly That's the problem. right it's yeah. just like exactly war right. you're always fighting yeah. last, the last wars to fight and I will tell you Shelby County um, has become a national leader after the uh, Florida situation down in Broward County uh, the Broward County Sheriff and, and school superintendent all kinds of people came up to visit Shelby County because they have really figured it out from a technology standpoint and for a few hundred thousand dollars a school which sounds like a lot but it's really not if you're saving kids lives you can make um, Indiana schools almost impregnable.
1: It's something uh, Congressman Messer pointed to quite a bit yep. uh, in terms of a program that they wanted yep. to duplicate. Yeah, it's back to school already this time of year. Yeah, <laughs> Hard to believe, right? But uh, here we are. Topic. By the way, next week, uh, IPS uh, Superintendent uh, Dr. Farabee will join us to talk about the referendum, another big item on this year's ballot. We haven't talked about a whole lot yet. Obviously, we've got the Senate race here in Indianapolis. That'll be a huge issue this fall. Yes. All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll do it again next week.
9: Thanks for having thank us. Thank you.